Hello, everybody, and welcome in to episode number four of the Fantasy Scouts podcast here on Wednesday, March 3rd. Thank you for being here with us. We appreciate your support. And if you want to support us a little extra, head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts, where we have tons and tons of great content. And we drop some big news. If you haven't heard yet, Sam, you want to tell us about it? Yeah, so uh, we just launched the NFL dashboard. Um, and that's been Matt's baby for the past few months. He has spent every ounce of his being getting that baby going. And you may ask yourself, what is it? Well, it's accumulation of everything you would ever need for fantasy in one spot. Every team, every player. If you want to know what the Titans draft capital looks like this season with their cap space and everything, it's in one spot. If you want to know anything about every player, you can click on the player and it's got their contract, their stats, everything you can imagine. It's got team grades. It's got team offensive line stats, team defensive line stats, head coach tendency, run pass tendencies, everything you could ever imagine to improve your fantasy game in one spot. It is the home run of everything fantasy. It's all right there, accessible. You don't have to have 75 tabs open anymore. You can hit it and go. And if you have any questions, DM Matt on Twitter and or the Fantasy Scouts or just message us on Patreon and we can get you set up and get going. All right, well... If you haven't already joined, at, you know, we rarely tell you to, to pause our podcast, but go ahead and pause it, head over, join the Patreon, and then come back and finish listening because the database is, the dashboard is awesome. But we do have a very exciting show for you today as well. We are going through the second year running backs, last year's rookie class. We're going to re-rank uh, the top guys from that class. We're going to discuss Brandon Ayuk a little bit. He's kind of been a hot topic. And we're going to play a fun game of trade, cut, keep. It works similar to a game you might have played, MFK. I won't go into detail, but maybe you've played that before. Same type of game, but with fantasy, with fantasy players. Trade, cut, keep. second year running backs guys I, I want you to kind of re-rank this class um you know go into detail on some of the guys you like and don't like why don't we kick it to you Andrew start us off yeah so if we're just looking at those top guys I mean uh number one for me for sure is Jonathan Taylor uh number two through four I think it's kind of where it gets a little different from some people I go Gibson then Swift and then CEH in that order and then finish it up with Akers, Dobbins, and James Robinson. Now, I know that's completely off the wall from some people. Uh, the reason I am so high on Gibson is I love his versatility in that offense. Pretty much my thought process is I believe the Washington football team is still aiming for that quarterback upgrade that we keep hearing all about. I mean, we just heard the news about Smith. They're cutting him, saving some cap. But I believe Gibson's going to be their primary focus, big-time player. They're going to focus on running the ball through him, slowing the offense down to let him get those touches and then play great defense behind it. And if we end up seeing him get some rookie quarterback, that's even better because Gibson's going to be that safety check down option along with the primary guy of getting the play action set up on. And then the other two, Swift and CH, 
those are just really back-to-back. I mean, even in my personal rankings, they're right beside each other. And it pretty much comes down to, I just, I like the town a little bit more for Swift than I do CEH's scheme. All right. Um, I'll take over. Um, I think for, I'm going to do it in tiers. And I know that's probably a little bit of a cop-out, but I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing on any of these guys because I think they're all stars. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor's probably in his own separate tier. Um, you can make a heck of an argument that he's the dynasty RB1. And then I would probably take Dobbins second in the, in the, or first in that second tier. Um, and I think it's because I believed in his talent coming out. I thought he was arguably the best running back and he's still in like his system that was very similar to college. And then I would probably go swift because I believe that Dan Campbell and crew want to run the rock and they're going to get him the ball. Like you can't not get him the football. And then I'm looking at, you know, CEH, J Rob Gibson and acres. Um, I would take, the talent and the raw ability of Gibson. But Andrew said something I kind of want to slow down on a little bit, which was, and this is kind of where I was shaking my head at him. You guys couldn't see it, but JD McKissick's not going anywhere. Like he's not going anywhere. Like he is still going to be a PPR guy. He'll be like James White for a few more years. Um, You know, he's fantastic at his role. So that will cut into Gibson's upside a little bit. Um, Not, not very much. You shouldn't be too worried. Um, you know, he's still an RB one high end RB two at the worst. Um, and then I'm looking, you know, James Robinson, CEH and acres. And I got to think about this because I'm labeled the cam acres hater on Twitter, but I'm not, um, I love cam makers. I think he's a great talent, but I also think Darrell Henderson's a really good football player too. Um, I believe absolutely cam makers is the guy. I don't think there's any question about that. I think, though, Sean McVay has told us, and when they were like, we never saw them both healthy last year, Henderson and Akers. They were never healthy at the same time. They were never 100%. So when Henders was toting the rock, Akers was out. And when Akers was toting the rock, Henderson was on IR. Um, Henderson's always dinged up, which is why I'm not too worried about him ever taking the job. But I do think that he will be a thorn in your side every now and then. Um, you know, we got J Rob, and it's like, I don't think he's ever going to be replaced anytime soon, but they're going to bring somebody in that may take a little bit of his work. So I would probably go CEH. And if you listen to the podcast a couple of weeks ago, you know, like Andrew and I really, really going like balls to the wall, defending him against, you know, I think it was Matt who was really low on him. So I'll take him, you know, him in his 1100 yards his rookie year in 13 games. Yeah. Yeah. Poor us. And then I'd go acres. I'd take the more, the, the better talent and the better situation. And then J Rob, but I don't want to make it sound like I don't like J Rob because I do. I think he's an absolute stud. Um, I believe he got, what was it? 85% of the work last year. Um, so I don't expect that to maintain because that's really not feasible most of the time. So even if he's 65, 35 or 60, 40, that's, he'll still be a very valuable asset, but I don't think, he gets that unquestioned, never come off the field, 100% of snaps kind of work anymore. Um, so that's how I would rank them, but I don't want to make it seem like I'm low on anyone because I think you could realistic, realistically look at every one of these guys and make an, a case for them not to be just an RB1 for Dynasty, but a really high-end RB1. So that's where I'm at right now. That could obviously change, but I feel very comfortable in that. Yeah, I like that you broke them kind of out into tiers, Sam, because these guys are all really close, but it, it's worth 
breaking them out into tiers to kind of separate. But I do wish I had I had stated my case before you because our ours look pretty similar. I do have Jonathan Taylor, uh, you know, at the head of the class in his own tier. My second tier in order is Dobbins, Swift, CEH, all pretty close. And then the third tier would be J. Rob Gibson, Acres, uh, in order. I I really like Dobbins as kind of the the next guy after JT, and. <laughs> Part of the reason I have him and Swift very close. I like both of those guys' talents a lot. I really liked Dobbins coming out, but he plays in a little bit more explosive offense than Swift. Um, he let me just give you some numbers here. He was number one at the running back position in true yards per carry, which basically just eliminates the the outliers. He was number three in yards per touch at the position, number four in breakaway runs, and number one in breakaway run rate. So the guy was explosive. He popped on film and obviously we know what happened to Mark Ingram. So Gus Edwards is still there. He'll still get some run, but Dobbins is the guy. And then Swift, like you alluded to Sam, I mean, he's going to be in a Dan Campbell offense. They brought in Anthony Lynn, who was a running backs coach as their offensive coordinator. They brought in Deuce Staley, who has already spoken very highly of Swift and how he thinks he can touch the ball 25 times a game, et cetera, et cetera. And really Dobbins and Swift were the two guys that impressed me the most on film last year, I guess, out of this class. Um, I have CEH very close to them, so don't get upset, Andrew. Um, They're all very, very close, but especially in that Chiefs offense, you know, I like CEH, uh, especially if if you can kind of get him at a discount compared to where he was uh, you know, a year ago. And then basically I just echo kind of what you guys mentioned on, you know, J-Rob, I, I don't think he's getting replaced. They'll add somebody. He's good. I have him a little over Gibson and Akers, but those guys are all very close kind of in that third tier in this class. So, um, but man, I'm excited to see what J.K. Dobbins does this year. I would, he's one of my, definitely one of my buys right now. So let me ask you this right now, like everywhere on Twitter, James Robinson is labeled like a sell no matter what, because like, oh, if you cash out and get someone in the same tier, you know, you won. And then if he does get replaced, you know, it's not your problem anymore. Like I think anybody with like a real, like a realistic, like like a brain or not trying to be hot to talk or hot takey will agree. He's not being replaced, but where are you on that spectrum of, okay. So if I could trade James Robinson for like, you know, someone like a Joe Mixon or um, somebody who you know's role is guaranteed and they're an absolute star, um, but may not have – like they might have a little bit more risk, but like I think people are banking too much on the risk of Robinson and kind of just looking at the draft capital because that's all they're doing is looking at the draft capital and saying he's getting replaced. But there's that notion going around that if you have him, you sell him no matter what. Because even if he's the guy, the odds of him ever being a top, what was it, 10 running back again, are very small, especially if they bring in someone to take away a little bit of volume. So where are you guys on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I wouldn't sell him for anything. Like some people are just saying cash out and, and take it and run. Uh, but if you can get like a guy you like, I mean, I have no problem moving him for, uh, you know, some of these other running, these second year running backs, especially that you can, you can really get a lot of that upside 
that same upside with. But again, I don't think, I mean, even if his role is reduced a little bit, I'm pretty sure they were one of the lowest rushing teams in the NFL, if not the lowest. So like we expect the game script to be a little better this year with Trevor Lawrence and, 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 you know, rookie quarterbacks. I mean, they're going to lean on Robinson some this year. And, and so even if they do bring in another guy, they're going to run the ball more. And I'm excited to see what urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence bring to that offense. So long story short, like I'm not selling him unless I'm getting a guy I really like, I personally wouldn't sell him for like a mix in or somebody like that. Uh, but you know, if you can get somebody you really like, I, I, I understand that. What, what do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on the same boat with y'all. Like, I'm not planning to move him in my couple leagues unless I'm getting a really good deal out of it. So, I mean, if we want to go for like a maybe a running back that's down in the community right now, such as like a Zeke Elliott and a 2023 second or something, like throw it down there. I think Zeke, we're going to see him back to an RB1 form. So, if I can get another RB1 plus a pick from a class that I like down the road, that's fine by me if I'm going to move James Robinson. I mean, what you just mentioned it a second ago, Chad. Their rushing um, attempts was 31st in the league, so we should expect a little bit better neutral game since you got a quarterback that you can depend on and you don't expect to play as behind as much now. So, Robinson, I'm not selling him for anything, but if the deal makes sense or something like that, then, yeah, I'll look into it and definitely move him. I just want to add that you said you expect Zeke to be back into RB1 form and – he was an RB1 in 2020. I mean, but that's like totally irrelevant. But I think that's also kind of like, wow, people are that low off of Elliott. Like, you know, missing your star quarterback really hurts. But, you know, don't tell people that. Yeah, I mean, I've seen so yeah, many people it. have him down around RB15 or so, which, I mean, I know it's partly because these second-year guys are highly rated and they deserve that. But, again, if I can get a guy that's down like that but I know can produce, well worth the cost. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point from both of you guys. And uh, that's I, I think personally, if I'm trying to move J-Rob, honestly, I'm probably trying to get somebody else from this class. Like if I can, get, you know, use J-Rob to get up and get a Dobbins or something like that's my ideal scenario. But also, Andrew, your point is very valid. Uh, somebody like Zeke is also a great target. Um, OK, let's shift gears. Want to talk about Brandon Ayuk a little bit? Like I said, he's he's been a little bit of a hot topic. Uh, obviously, they got Debo Samuel in that offense, but Ayuk really, really popped last year. So, Sam, where do you have him in your your dynasty rankings, and what do you think of Brandon Ayuk? Um, I think if you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen my tweet the other day. Um, kind of went a little bit of viral on accident. Um, talking about Ayuk. Um. I believe I have him RB or wide receiver 19. And I know that's like when you look at it a little bit low, um, but at the same time, like it's really not when you like really start to line everybody up. Um, I think he's an absolute star. Uh, I know that everybody's like, oh, well, he would, he produced without Kittle and Debo. I really don't care. Like, I really don't like, he's really good. You know, I'm going to take the talent 10 out of 10 times and, he played in, I believe it was 13 games or 12 games. I'm looking at it right here. He averaged 15.4 PPR points a game. He had 66 total touches, 825 total yards, and seven touchdowns. So if you look at that, that is 
a guy easily if he played all 12 games or 16 games, about 85, 90 receptions, a little bit over 12, 1300 yards and 10, 11 touchdowns. Like he's an absolute star. And I know he won't get that volume when Debo Samuel is back, which is, is that going to be all season or is it going to be like another game or two? Then he misses another six months and then he's, you know I mean? Like you don't ever know with Debo Samuel. So I'm not going to fade him because Debo, even though I think Debo is a stud, I just, you know, with him, I think Ayuk is the better player. Um, and, uh, you know, Debo is often hurt. But then, you know, the real argument is really George Kittle um, and where he goes. And I think he's just going to get his normal volume. You know, I think next year the team's going to be better. Um they're going to be healthier, which means they're going to have the ball more often. The defense is going to be better, so they're going to have the ball more often. They're going to move the ball and score more points. So I think it's good for everybody. I'm not going to really worry about the potential regression. I mean, even if he regresses, he's still someone who could very likely be a wide receiver one, and you're going to get him dirt cheap. And if you even watch him for 30 seconds on tape, I mean, he pops. He pops so far off the screen. And right after the draft last year, the 49ers came out and said, you know, we got our guy. He was the number one wide receiver off on our board. And nobody really, really listened. Like, people ignored that. Like, oh, just coach speak. They reached, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, Kyle Shanahan's a pretty straight shooter. He's not going to say shit unless he believes it. Um, Kyle Shanahan is well-known and well-respected for being a little too blunt at times. So, I think he's an absolute star. I think, you know, he'll take a little bit of a step back, potentially, with George Kittle and them coming back. But, I also expect the offense to be better overall. So I think you really don't see much of a change um, because the offense last year was pretty bad um, with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard and those guys. Um, so I think when the guys come back, they take that volume down a little bit, but then the offense is back to normal quality wise. So I really don't think you see much of a difference and, somebody can get cheaper in drafts, probably get him for a late first, early second round pick at some leagues, and that's an absolute home run every time. I don't know, man. You sound a little bit more optimistic than I am about IU. Like, personally, for my rankings, I have him at receiver 25. Like, he's right there on that edge of that receiver two conversation. I'm not denying at all. Like, I do believe he is the receiver one for the team. But I just – I have some concerns putting him over guys like Boyd, Evans, Galladay. So my big thing right now is we haven't seen too much with you Debo get back. Boyd out of there. <laughs> get Boyd You're that out high there. on Bur- uh, Burrow, man. I don't know if you want to knock him out yet. But yeah, but I mean, like my thing is like, oh, he was wide receiver one when you know someone tell you, yeah, but ah, he's a good receiver too. Yeah, he's a good wide receiver too. I wouldn't take him over Brandon Ayuk. I don't know. Let me get into. Like, I wouldn't even consider it. Like Tyler Boyd, like Tyler, these people are going to come on me at Twitter. Oh, disrespecting Tyler Boyd. Oh, he's the most disrespectful player in the league. He is disrespected, but he's not better than Brandon Ayuk. Like, like let's be real here. You know, I'm going to take the guy with the better coach who's got the better talent and roll with it. I mean, like, I think Tyler Boyd's a great player, but he's not better than Brandon Ayuk. And he doesn't outscore Brandon Ayuk. You said better talent, but you didn't factor in quarterbacks. Uh, you know, the thing is, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I don't want to come on here and sound like I'm a Jimmy Garoppolo truther because I'm not. <laughs> he is more than serviceable. I mean, he's I you, saw, you, saw, you, you saw him take him to a Super Bowl last year. You know, they were two minutes away from winning until they, you know, everything went downhill, including 2020 as a whole after they celebrated. So, I, you know, I think Joe Burrow's obviously going to be a better player, but 
I don't think there's anybody who's going to come out here and argue that, you know, Tyler Boyd is ever going to be the alpha over T Higgins. So, but then you have the argument with George Kittle. But you know, like what happens there if you go. The sixth, yeah, but what happens with the fifth and sixth overall pick when they take you know the Bengals take Kyle Pitts? Then what are you going to do? Because you know the you, <laughs> but, but that's the thing is that you know the Bengals are bringing in somebody else to catch the football. Like they have they have literally just those two guys, and then it's nobody else. Like they have to bring somebody else in. So it's going to, you know, like take away some of that. I hate the word vacated targets, but it's going to take away some of the opportunity. So then like you're back to here we are. And if they're parallel, you know, like they're both the second receiving option on their team. And if Kyle Pitts comes down, you can make an argument that Boyd would be the third. Then what are you doing? Like, I mean, if you're in that range, are you going to take the guy with the better coach and the better talent? Or are you going to take the guy with a better quarterback? Well, at that point, yeah, I definitely reassess. Because I'd take Pitts and Higgins at that point, so it's easy moving Ayuk for me. But my concern, really, honestly, it's not so much a Debo. I know he's going to come back. They only played six games with each other. Um, when Debo is back, we did already see a small drop in the receptions, the targets, and his touchdown rate, but nothing crazy. He, like I said, he's still a receiver one. But I know you're talking about he was like he's a versatile weapon. I hear that at least on Twitter once a week how versatile a weapon he is. But he only had six carries for 77 yards. Is he really that versatile of a weapon? They're focusing on using him as a downfield receiver one, letting him work where he does his best work. My big concern comes back with Kittle. Kittle, again, only had six games with him. But with Kittle in the game, it made a huge difference on his performance. He had two and a half less catches, roughly. He had almost five less targets per game. He saw another dip in the touchdown performance. And, again, another, another 26 yards loss of receiving. If those two are back, that's going to eat into that upside. So that's why I'm right there. I agree he's the second-best weapon for the team. He'll be the main receiver. I don't know how pass-happy do we really expect the Falcons. Well, Falcons. Yeah, taking Shanahan back to the Falcons. How pass-happy do we expect the 49ers to stay with their approach currently? Yeah. I, 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 well, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Andrew, about his versatility and his – athleticism and because I was going to ask you guys and, and Sam what you thought about that aspect of his game I mean I think like when they, when I say versatility I don't mean you just hand the ball off to a guy I mean like if you watch they go out of their way to design screens for him and everything and you know you're talking about his regression with Kittle like nobody's going to argue he's going to regress some with Kittle but I think last year what we saw with the quarterback play and how line, how bad the offensive line was and the fact that they had no running game because Raheem Mostert always hurt and he wasn't very good to begin with and all these things. Like, If we assume that the offense takes a step forward as a whole compared to where it was the year before, everybody gets a big bump. So like, if we bump Ayuk up, but then we bump him back down to where he was with you know Kittle and them coming back, I don't think you see much of a change in his overall performance. That's what I'm saying. Because the offense last year was bad. I mean, I think everybody would tell you that because, you know, it was C.J. Beathard and um, Nick Mullins with half their offensive line hurt, no running backs. You know, like Jeff Wilson was a leading rusher or something like that. Like, that's not a good recipe for success. 
So when you factor all that in, you get everybody back, the offense as a whole will improve, which means everybody gets a bump up because if you're if you have the ball more, you're gonna move the ball more, score more points, move have more yards, like all that stuff adds up. And then you get the weapons back, you take everybody a step back. So I think he ends up where he is now. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, I understand he's going to regress with Kittle and Debo coming back, but if you give the whole offense that step forward, his volume will essentially stay the same. But what about the late breakout age, Sam? I Don't you care so much about the breakout age? I mean, he didn't even break out until 21 and a half. What's up with that? <sighs> I'm kidding. I say that sarcastic. I know. I know. I, I just I didn't know how if I wanted to like react or like, <laughs> I, mean, like I understand. But that's the thing is like breakout age isn't a talent indicator. And if you tell me it is, then you don't know what you're talking about. It is a predictive measure in which people think someone's going to be good at football. But especially because he was playing behind Nikhil Harry and Nikhil Harry was I know he hasn't done anything in the NFL, but he was pretty dominant in college and, and received a large, large target share there. But and I just wanted to went, kind of highlight that, that, that breakout age factor and why it tends yeah. to be overrated. Well, I mean, you also it, have to Ayuk, he went to Juco too. So, I mean, he was already guaranteed a 20 plus breakout age. Yeah. So it's like those sort of things, but I don't even want to talk about our breakout age because I don't want to waste my time. Um, the thing about it is, like, I just – I don't care what someone's breakout age. If they're a good football player, they get high draft capital, and the team says, hey, this guy's really good. We're, we went and got him for a reason. I'm going to, like, listen to them and some some nerd with a metric who's going to tell me someone's good at football. Like, for example, like, if you want to look at, like, someone like Chase Claypool, like, oh, okay, like, he had a bad breakout age. Well, okay, like, and then he gets drafted high in the second round, and the team goes, this guy's going to be a superstar. We, we can't believe we got him. I'm going to listen to the team – and the player personnel is over some guy on Twitter. And that's where I believe. And I don't want to get into this because I really don't want to like waste my time arguing with people about the breakout age because I'm like the breakout age hater, apparently. Um, but the thing is, like, I just I want to circle back to Debo and the entire offense. Like, if anything, the real question could be, what about Debo Samuel? Like, what is his fantasy value moving forward? Because I think everybody here agrees, like, he's a, he's a fantastic football player. He's great. But is he going to be on the field? And then that third receiving option in San Francisco offense, unless they just open it up, how reliable is he going to be moving forward? Like, I can't imagine it's going to be very. Like, is he somebody you should be looking to sell? I mean, what do you want to get for him? Yeah, that's the question, right? And it's it's, that's because he's such a wild card. Like, he is a great talent, but man, he's never on the field. Yeah, I think he's kind of a boom bust wide receiver three four kind of guy, maybe. But I think we all agree that Ayuk is is the number one wide receiver in San Francisco. And I'm similar to Andrew. I have him at wide receiver twenty four, but I definitely agree with Sam. I have him over Tyler Boyd. Uh, not to be not to hate on Tyler Boyd, but I do have him. I have him basically below just above Jerry Judy, below Cooper Cup, Juju, Mike Evans. Uh I think it it speaks to what we've talked about before, just how deep this wide receiver class is. And it's hard to rank some of these guys, especially a guy like Ayuk that we all really like, but you know, how far can you really move him up when there's so many good good wide receivers? But all good points. I mean, expect the offense to improve. 
at the same time, you know, Kittle hurts his value a little bit. So uh, I have them kind of right there as a, as a low end wide receiver too, but he certainly has the talent and, and, you know, potential to, to move up the board there. So uh, let's go ahead and shift gears. We're going to play a, a pretty fun game. I think, uh, I think you guys will like this one trade cut or keep. We are going to give three names. We're going to run down some wide receivers, quarterbacks, and running backs, three names. Uh, you got to trade one. You got to cut one. You got to keep one. The first group is going to be DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Justin Jefferson, all superstar wide receivers. Andrew trade one, cut one, keep one. Oof. All right. Just based off the hype alone right now, I feel like you had to trade Justin Jefferson. Uh, personally, I'm going to keep my boy AJ Brown because I remember our first podcast. I was already, I was the only guy in his corner backing for him because I do believe AJ Brown just has that potential just to keep outproducing DK going forward if he's healthy. And so, I mean, unfortunately, that's just going to lead me to cut an ultra star in DK Metcalf. Got to cut one. All right. Um, you know, like, this is something you see in the show seat, show sheet, man. I can say that five times fast. Um, and you, you, you like look at it and it's like, where am I going to go? And here I am, I'm on the spot and I don't know where I'm going. Uh, I'm just going to talk and see what comes out. Um, I think out of perception right now, if you go on Twitter and, you know, you talk to your buddy buddies, AJ Brown has the most perceived value. And I always talk about perceived value, you know, like um, when I'm looking to sell a player and it's something I try to teach everybody's perception over reality um, with trading. So I would trade AJ Brown because I believe he has the most perceived value because right now he is for the majority Twitter's darling right now and they're they're wide receiver one like andrew so i could trade aj brown and get the most but who am i cutting uh, do i keep the rookie wide receiver who just broke the record or do i keep the the guy who just put up like 1300 yards and 10 touchdowns on like 50% effort. Um, I think what you want to hint? JJ, no, no, no. I JJ. would probably <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. What I was going to say, Jefferson actually, I believe if I looked it up right, had a better season than Michael Thomas in either his rookie or his second year. Um, I would probably, I would probably keep DK. Um, and the only reason I say that, the only reason is quarterbacks. Like, I think Kirk Cousins is vastly underrated. I think he's a franchise quarterback, but I don't think he's on the same level as Russell Wilson. So I would keep DK, trade AJB and trade Justin Jefferson or cut Justin Jefferson. And man, if someone just logged in and they clicked to this random spot and heard me say that, they probably just left. So, <laughs> all right, Chad, Them's what you rules, got? Though. Them's the rules, though. Um, I am going to, this is the toughest decision I've ever had to make in my entire life. I would keep DK Metcalf because 
I believe he's teetering on dynasty wide receiver one status, at least for me. And <laughs> Andrew's giving me the stink eye already. I love AJ Oof. Brown, man. I love him, but I am going to trade Justin Jefferson because the hype is unreal. You just mentioned the season he's coming off of. Andrew is wildly unbelievable. I'm just going to trade him and because I think I can get the most for him. And I really love all three of these guys. So I'm trading him just because I think I can, I think I can probably get the most value out of him. Unlike what you said, Sam, I think I'd have to cut AJ Brown in this scenario. DK, DK wide receiver one. Let's do it. But, but imagine though, like imagine if you're in a dynasty league and someone just drops AJ Brown, dude, I would do it. I would trade like my first round pick for someone, all of someone's fab and just go for it. Oh, like I will give you a hundred dollars fab for your first round pick. Let's go. If that guy okay. was on the waiver, if any of these guys were on the waiver wire, I would probably, I might just have to leave the league because I'm like, this isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't play. With, I can't play in the league with toddlers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're not wrong though. But these, uh, those are the rules, and unfortunately, these don't get a whole lot easier. So we're gonna head on over to QBs where we have Murray, Allen, and Watson. <sighs> Also, a tough one. I want to hear your thoughts, Sam. Um, I actually feel like this one's a little bit easier for me. I actually think it's quite a bit easier. Um, I would trade Josh Allen because I think everybody right now is overvaluing him. Like, I think he's an absolute superstar. He's top five quarterback. But I think people are putting him in that Mahomes tier even though I think that's a little bit of a reach. So I think you could probably get the most for him. And then I would keep Deshaun Watson um, just because I think he's by far the better player. Um, I guess not me taking a shot at Kyler Murray. I think, you know, Deshaun's just that good. Um, and I don't care if he's lining up for like the DC roughnecks. Like I'm going to roll with Deshaun Watson here. Um which means then I'll have to t- cut Kyler Murray, but you know, like you said, then the rules. I would say I agree with the selling Josh Allen part. That part I'm fine with because I really do think they're going to finally get a running back to help take away some of his goal line touches. I don't care if it's Zach Moss or Carlos Hyde or Chris Carson, whoever. I think they're going to get a running back to kind of help save their franchise quarterback uh, and keep that injury list off them. But I'm going to keep Colin. You keep him any man, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to keep the little guy. Yeah, I knew it. (laughs) But I'll say, like, I just – the dude's rushing floor is phenomenal because, I'm again, I'm basing this off fantasy football. The rushing floor is way higher. Um, The offense, he's already got a proven receiver want an actual receiver one that I know Watson used to like throwing to him as well and they did pretty good together and then I just I don't know all the all the signs keep pointing that the Cardinals are going to go back and get another weapon for him whether it's a fantastic tight end for him to work in the middle of the field or just another receiver to pair out there with Christian Kirk and the likes and so unfortunately I'm cutting Watson because I just don't know where the heck he's going if he goes to New England they don't have weapons right now that would be very sad, even though I'm a Pats fan. Yeah, I thought about Deshaun Watson could throw to 
Uh, I was just going to say, Deshaun Watson could throw to me and he'd still be a QB1. So I I wouldn't worry about where he goes, personally. Sam, what what's your 40 time? Everybody wants to know your 40 time. Um, am I, let's see. Am I in car or am I <laughs> in my own land? <laughs> um, well, let's see if I was like 16 and I was still like playing football and stuff. Um, I don't know. Like I know my fastest mile ever was 435, but that was almost 10 years ago. So add probably about 15 minutes to that, which would be, I, I don't know. I'd probably run like a six, seven second forty. I have no idea. Actually. Well, there you go. A six, seven forty. Any wide receiver that runs a six, seven forty. Deshaun is still, <laughs> still the guy. He's still the man. No matter who he's throwing to, whether it's Sam on foot or Sam in a car, Deshaun Watson. I actually thought about this though, Andrew. I thought about what you said about just like the uncertainty of where he's going. But I think because of that, he's kind of being maybe undervalued. I mean, I have him as my dynasty QB three. I'm keeping Deshaun Watson guys, a certified stud, no matter where he goes, uh, in my opinion. Now it comes down to the, the Murray versus Allen. And that's where I do tend to agree, uh, that Josh Allen's hype and everything is so high right now. I think his value is probably the best just in terms of, of trading and, then that leaves Murray as a cut candidate who obviously I really like, I have him at QB four, but those are the rules. And, and, you know, I don't know if I believe in Cliff Kingsbury yet. Like I'm not really sold on him. I know Kyler's unbelievable with his legs and he's got Hopkins there and, and stuff, but I just, I don't know if I believe in, in Kingsbury. I prefer Watson, the player. And I think Allen has the most trade value. So that's kind of how it shakes out for me. Hold on, I want to ask Andrew a question real quick. Andrew, are you not worried about like um, Kyler Murray's durability over like what well, Deshaun Watson? Like Deshaun Watson just threw to Brandon Cooks and um, a bunch of nobodies, and he's still the league in passing um, through like 700 touchdowns. It seemed like. Um, plus, he's got that super safe rushing floor. Um, obviously, it's not what Kyler Murray's is, but there's a chance maybe Kyler Murray's rushing floor slows down when they try to keep him safer, get him an actual running back, bump up the passing game. Like, are you, are you not at all worried? Like maybe since Kyler was starting to get dinged up last year, maybe they'll start to carry on or. Uh, I mean, personally, no, I'm not too worried about Kyler as far as the rushing part. Cause I would assume you mean more of like, while he's escaping the pocket and stuff like that. I do agree. I think they're going to bring in another um, guy to help him get in the backfield. Hopefully not Kenyon Drake, somebody that can actually move a little bit faster, a little bit younger, and they can keep around a little bit longer. Um, and they just add another guy, offensive tackle or offensive guard, whatever they need to help keep him safe. But, I mean, can you ask the same thing of Watson. Watson, we know he's an escape artist in the pocket. But between the two of them, I can only think of Watson having a major ACL injury. All fair points. Uh, let's shift to the running back section. We've got David Montgomery, Joe Mixon, and Aaron Jones. I'm going to go first on this one because I never get to go first, and I want to go first. So um, I think this one, I think the cut, the cut part of this is easy. I'm cutting David Montgomery. That guy is the most frustrating guy to own. 
he had a really strong second half of the season, but we all know he had a soft schedule and that offense is pretty ugly and it, it could get uglier this off season. If they lose Allen Robinson, who knows who their quarterback is going to be. I just don't really want anything to do with him right now. The next two are just really, really difficult for me. Cause I'm a big fan of Aaron Jones. I want, I want to keep him, but I think he has significantly more trade value than Joe Mixon. And I think Joe Mixon has the greatest chance to really take a step forward next year. I know he's not that involved in the passing game, at least not as involved as we would like, but I think that offense is going to be really good next year, especially if they draft our guy Sewell from Oregon, you know, in the first round, they're going to beef up that offensive line. I think we could see one of Mixon's better seasons maybe his best season next year. And as much as I love Aaron Jones, I'm probably trading him out of this group just because we don't know where he's going to land. And that's really important for a running back. There's some decent landing spots out there, but we just, we just don't know where he's going to end up. And I think I like Mixon's chances to kind of boost his value this year. So cut Montgomery, keep Joe Mixon, trade Aaron Jones. What says you, Andrew? Oof. All right, so I do agree on the cutting David Montgomery, but not quite for every reason that you stated. Um, the soft schedule, I have nothing against it because you could use the same argument against Jonathan Taylor, but he's my RB2. No concerns there, so I'm not worried about the whole schedule conflict. Uh, I'm more worried about the personnel. You've got uh, Tariq Cohen coming back. We know is their pass, catch, uh, pass specialist right there. That is going to eat into the upside ceiling of uh, Montgomery. And then, like you said, um, we don't know the quarterback situation. The offense as a whole might end up being worse than it was even this year. So then it comes down to the other two. I'm actually going to keep Aaron Jones because the two biggest landing spots I keep hearing is either the Packers franchising him. Well, we know how that turns out. He's been a high RB1 for two straight years if they keep him or potentially heading over to Miami. And we saw what Miles Gaskin can do in that offense. And I'm, believe in the talent of Aaron Jones way more than Gaskin. So that's going to leave me in trade mixing. Let me get whatever I can. Hopefully I find a Bengals truther that always thinks he's an RB1. So Sam, what you think? Uh, I think you guys are, well, specifically you, Andrew, are vastly disrespecting Joe Mixon. Um, I, Joe Mixon is still, and I would argue, a top five talent in the league. Um I've been looking at this and I've been thinking about this. And I ironically think he could very well be the highest scoring running back next year. You know, in the games he played, he was in a, a he was a high RB one in points per game, but I'm looking at this and your answer and the way people treat Joe Mixon on Twitter may lead me to my answer. Um, I would trade Aaron Jones. I think, you know, of these three guys, he has the most value. Um, you know, I could probably get a lot for him. And then I'm looking at David Montgomery and Joe Mixon. And Joe Mixon's absolutely a better player. Um, I think David Montgomery's still really good. And I think David Montgomery has this bad aura around him for no reason. Um, he did exactly what you drafted him to do last year. Um, 
his rookie year, like he was a little bit disappointing, but he was still pretty viable. He was an RB two. Um, and then last year he did exactly what you wanted him to do again, which was he was an RB one. I don't really care about Tariq Owen being gone, blah, blah, blah. Most of his volume and success came from the ground. Um, he did have a handful of receptions, but nothing where you should really be panicking about Tariq Cohen coming back. And if you are, that's exactly the problem. There is, and Andrew kind of said, oh, you trade Joe Mixon, or because, you know, there's always that truther. There's a truther because there's a reality. And I think this year we finally see him healthy and, you know, behind a decent offensive line, and he's an RB1. Um, but right now, people are so living and dying and recency biased that there's no trade market for him. Joe Mixon sucks. You can get Joe Mixon in the fifth, sixth round. Like, there's always those people who hate Joe Mixon for more than what he's ever worth. So you may not be able to trade Joe Mixon for even half of what you think you will. And then you could probably turn around and draft him in the fifth round and laugh at everybody's face on the way to the bank. So I would cut Joe Mixon only because people are so down on him that you can go around and get him later for cheaper than you would have been able to cash out for him. Because when you look at these drafts and typically these are like keeper leagues with a, you know, keep trade cut. He's someone who falls later in drafts because everybody's reaching for, you know, the, the new shiny toy while he becomes an absolute steal. Um, he's only 24, 25 years old and he's still one of the best players in the league. So, I would cut him, and it would really hurt, but I would do it. And then I would take David Montgomery and keep him for now. Like, I could tell you I wouldn't be keeping him long-term, but I would be keeping him at least for this exercise. Like, I think David Montgomery is a good player, and he could probably be an RB1 again next year, but he won't be valued as such. The only one of these guys who will ever be valued as such is Aaron Jones, and that's right after he signs. No matter where he goes, you're going to get an absolute screaming value. You're going to get the most for him. You'll cash out, and you know, you'll laugh your way to the bank. So these other two, like you're really kind of looking back and forth and asking yourself, who do I believe has the more trade value and the most cut value and no, no trade value? And right now, Joe Mixon is so disrespected, so hated, that you won't be able to get really anything for him. So you can't trade him, so which is why you're going to cut him and draft him later and get him for dirt cheap, even free. I don't agree on the Montgomery point uh, part as far as you said. Most of his production came through the ground. That Everything else I'm, I'm okay with. I understand that. But Montgomery, he had 54 catches, 60-something targets, 400, 438 receiving yards. He didn't get half that as a rookie. Now, again, he was a rookie, but they're going to get a guy back there that's going to help him out. And so that's why I'm worried, and that's why I personally made the move I did on Montgomery. Yeah, I was uh, I was about to say, Sam, that you and I were really in sync this show. Like, we had agreed on almost everything. And then you went and kept David Montgomery and broke my heart. Uh, I don't know how you think he could be an RB1 this year. When you look at the names, I mean, I want to I want to know where you have him in your dynasty ranks because I have him down at twenty three, and I don't think there's a way he can crack. I guess you have him at eighteen, but I don't think there's a way he can be an RB one this year. 
I mean, I know he he's he's good on volume. Like he gets a lot of volume, but to Andrew's point, Tariq Cohen's coming back and going to be involved in the passing game. I just I don't see him as an RB one. Well, see, and that's exactly the thing is you're going to hang on his receptions when he only started eight games last year. He played sixteen, but he didn't start. He, they were like the thing. The, the reason people were frustrated with David Montgomery last year was they eased him in. People forget about that. People forget that they eased him in, and it was frustrating to watch him be like the backup running back for the first half of the season. And then he comes in and slowly takes over and becomes the guy and finishes the year with 25 receptions. Is that great? No. Um, is that what you want? No. But he's going to finish with more than 25 receptions. He had 54 this year. Um, and he missed a game. So, like, I mean, really, like, you know, who knows? Um, maybe 57, 58 receptions, which is fine. But Tree Cohen comes in and takes 20 of those away. I mean, you're still looking at a guy with 38 to 40 receptions, um, which is more than fine. And you ask, oh, I don't know how he can finish as an RB1. Well, that's what people say every year, and that's how people become values. Nobody can ever finish as an RB1 on paper until they actually do. And then nobody believes it. Like, I know when you look at the rankings, you're like, oh, there's no way he's going to outscore, you know, Aaron Jones in all 16 games. Like, but like injuries happen, players miss games. Um, and, you know, the reality is people that you never would expect to finish as an RB1 finish as an RB1. And, you know, looking at David Montgomery and um, Joe Mixon, like the guys are so close in value, the reality that you have to look at who you think you can get cheaper later. There's still a group of people out there who think, you know, David Montgomery is better than Joe Mixon, which is why you'll be able to get Joe Mixon probably cheaper. Um, you know, you know, David Montgomery, like I like had 250 rushing attempts this year for over just under 1100 yards, you know, like 4.4 carry. That's not great. That's fine. Um, and I think that's really outstanding because if you watched the bears game, um, how do I say this nicely? Um, they sucked. I mean, like, they were awful to watch. Like, I, everybody, like, last year's offense, watching the Bears, was watching Jeff Fisher's offenses. It was hard to watch. It was Nobody wanted to watch the Bears. Unless you're a Bears fan, then you just drank yourself to death every weekend because it was unbearable. <laughs> no, no pun intended there. Um, <laughs> they stacked the boxes and said, here you go, Trubisky beat us with Allen Robinson. We're going to double cover. Good luck. They couldn't. Like, there's very little creativity in the offense. So we're assuming they bring somebody in. Like, they draft Zach Wilson. Then that maybe open up the offense a little bit, which gives them more room. And then, you know, the efficiency comes in and stuff. Like, you know, that's all fine and dandy. I don't want to argue that. I mean, the guy had eight rushing touchdowns on a team that I'm surprised had eight touchdowns on the year. Um, so for me, like, it's a like I expect the offense to get better some. I don't know how much it can get really better with Matt Nagy as the head coach and whoever is throwing the football. But I'm not too worried about Tariq Cohen, especially coming off the ACL injury. I don't know how old Tariq Cohen is, but Edwin dropped a thread or maybe it was an article a few weeks ago that guys like Tariq Cohen is great, you know, as, as speedy and as dynamic as he may be. He did a thread and he did a research on it where guys with lower draft capital are typically lo like not as athletic and don't have the resources to recover as much as guys like Saquon Barkley do. So 
when you look at like that thread that tells us that there's a pretty good chance that Tariq Cohen does not come back as successful. And we also had an article drop on ffballallday.com this past week by our doctor, Kyle Chapp, talking about running back success rates on injuries and ACLs. Tariq Cohen is a big red flag on whether or not he's ever going to be the same guy again. I'm not going to go out of my way to avoid David Montgomery, the workhorse who did everything you expected him to do because of Tariq Cohen and bank on him being an outlier. The reality is he's a guy who relies solely on speed and doesn't have like players like him do not have the track record of success of coming back on ACLs like somebody with the higher draft capital and better athletic profile and stuff too. So I'm not worried about Terry Cohen. Like, yeah, he'll come back and take away some value, but when he's not nearly as explosive anymore, people are like, for the love of God, get him off the field. Like that's what we're going to be arguing about feed Montgomery. Like that's what it's going to happen. And so we'll, he'll be, we'll be here. David Montgomery's value will go up and then I'll cash out. I mean, like that's, what's going to happen. Like I can, I, I can almost guarantee that's what's going to happen next year. So that's why I'm taking David Montgomery. Like, Joe Mixon's a better player, yeah, but I don't want to be afraid of a player because of Tariq Cohen, who's coming off an ACL injury, who has the every odd stacked against him. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's a fair point, but you also said you expect him to get around the normal work workload share of some of the other RB ones. He had eighty plus snap share on eight games. How high do you think it's going to go? This season, even if it's not Cohen, maybe another free, cheap vet behind him. See, I don't really expect the volume to change too much. Like, <sighs> Tariq Cohen isn't going anywhere because they gave him that fat contract. It wasn't really a fat contract, but it was, here, you're our guy. You know, you return our punts and you have a little bit of a role in the offense. Here's a little chunk of change and people roasted the Bears for it. So he's not going anywhere. So I don't expect, you know, 80%, like we're over here talking about James Robinson, the reason why, you know, some people are worried about him. I don't expect David Montgomery to get 80% of – for 16, you said I was eight. But the thing is – and I just want to go back to the efficiency of the offense and how it was like 14 guys in the box and it was like, here you go, good luck. You know, and the fact that David Montgomery would still make a guy miss and burst away. And David Montgomery – and I don't remember where I heard this when he was coming out. Maybe it was in a scout meeting or something. He has some of the best ability we've ever seen to make a guy miss, but he doesn't have that speed to get away. Um, he looked a lot faster last year, and he spent the entire offseason working on the speed feet and all that stuff and getting that faster. So with the efficiency of the offense likely going up with a, with a real NFL quarterback not named Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, less tech boxes, you know, I really think there's a chance that he gets that efficiency boost that we all want, which equals out and values everything else to be the same. Yeah. Also, all fair points on Montgomery. I think the takeaway from this group for me is that Mixon, I'm not giving up on Mixon. The dude is uber talented. He's a special talent, a good player that can thrive in a better offense with a, with a bulked up offensive line. So I want to see that. I hope I hope the offense rolls next year and Joe Mixon's a part of it. But that's going to do it for our show. Please remember, go to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Check out the new dashboard. It is absolute fire. You 
it's a pain to do research and have so many tabs open and go to so many different places. You don't have to with this dashboard. So please go check it out. Uh, check out our Patreon. A lot of good stuff. Thanks, guys, for being here with us on the Fantasy Scouts podcast, where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.